You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March third episode of the bacon bets podcast we are in march welcome to march everyone one of the best months on the sports calendar we got college basketball conference tournaments and we got march madness we got some of the funnest golf tournaments of the year in march and then we got the major league baseball season will be starting on april 1st so we got spring training throughout this month the winter, we see the light at the end of the tunnel for winter. We see the light at the end of the tunnel from the whole COVID-19 pandemic. It's starting to get warmer. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time of year. I'm in a very good mood because it's the start of March. Um, I was going to start off this podcast with a mini rant about how people in the sports betting world on Twitter need to stop taking themselves so seriously, but I'm not going to do it. I was going to start the podcast by saying if you refer to yourself as a sports investment advisor, I was going to say to get your head out of your ass and realize you're a degenerate like the rest of us and stop taking yourself so seriously. I was going to say that at the start of the podcast, but I'm not. I'm going to stay positive because it's March. So we've got a big episode today, a huge UFC card this weekend, probably one of the most stacked UFC events in recent history. Um, Top 10 card of all time, I would say. Three title fights, which is rare, I think. How many times has there been three title fights on one card? Um, once or twice, maybe? At least a couple times, but but no more than two or three times. So, stacked UFC card for uh, for this uh, weekend, so I'm going to give out my picks for that. Of course, my picks, my breakdown for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the PGA Tour event that's this week. Always a fun one. Um, and then, I mean, it leads right into the Players' Championship next week, and then the Masters is like five weeks away. So, I mean, this is just a fantastic time for sports. Um, and then for college basketball, I will be breaking down the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament, uh, which starts the day that this podcast gets released here on the 3rd. Um, I was going to dive into some of the more mid-major conference tournaments, but for some reason this year, sports books don't have odds up. Uh, for like all the mid-major smaller conference tournaments, which is kind of strange. I don't really know why they're doing it, but all the ones that are starting this week, the only one that they have odds up for are um, is the Atlantic 10. Uh, so just the one conference tournament talk uh, this week. Next week, I'll be diving into all the Power 5. Um, I guess if you toss in the Big East, it's the Power 6. Um, I'm going to talk about as many conference tournaments that I can next week because the majority of them start on March the 10th. All the power conferences do except for the ACC starts March the 9th, uh, but I'll still probably give my thoughts on that. So next week will be um, a huge, huge uh, podcast for conference tournaments. Um, But uh, yeah, this week I'm going to give my Atlantic 10 breakdown, my pick to win the Atlantic 10 conference tournament. 
And then I got my best bet for uh, Wednesday's college basketball slate and my best bet for uh, Wednesday's NHL slate. Um, I have had a few people ask me my pick for to win March Madness this year. I'm going to say at this point of the season, don't. Don't bet on anyone to win March Madness as of right now because we're so close um, to Selection Sunday that at this point you need to wait to see where everyone is seated and more importantly kind of what part of the bracket they're in because um, – I mean, it's going to be Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan are going to be the three number one seeds. Uh, that fourth quadrant, the one that doesn't have one of those three teams as a number one seed, is going to be wide open. So if you're looking for an underdog, it's going to be whoever's going to be placed in that fourth quadrant, um, in my opinion. So uh, if you're looking for a dark horse, I would say wait until we until Selection Sunday and see where everyone's placed in the bracket. So um, I don't have uh, any picks for that. But Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament, college basketball, bet NHL, UFC, and the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So stack show here. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the March 3rd episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. All right, let's start with the PJ Tour portion of the podcast here, as always, with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now, if you're not interested in listening to the golf portion of the podcast, um, I always put the timestamps of uh, when I talk about what in the description. So um, I think even maybe on Spotify and on Apple, you can actually just click on the time right there in the description to skip ahead to whatever part you want to listen to. Uh, but we're going to start with the PJ Tour section, as always. Arnold Palmer Invitational at at Bay Hill, par 72, 7,454 yards. Um, it's nice to be back at a course that we are familiar with. We are very familiar with this event and this course, um, unlike last week where we were completely blind going into the event. Um, I hit Patrick Reed, top 10. He's kind of flirting with the lead there. I think he was solo second for a bit on Saturday, uh, but he at least managed to stay within the top 10, which was good. Uh, DeChambeau, another disappointing week. I think he finished, what, 22nd or something like that. Uh, and then my long shot that I gave out on guys and bets, Rasmus Hoygaard, um, did not have a good event whatsoever. He shot like, <laughs> what, nine, I think nine over, eight over on Sunday. Just an absolute disgrace. Um, but, I, I mean, I said going into it that was going to be a tough event to handicap because we had absolutely no history with that course whatsoever. So um, glad to be at Bay Hill. I'm, uh, I'm very familiar with this course. I'm very comfortable handicapping this course. So I, I think this is going to be a big week for me. Um, I'm very excited for it. I absolutely love my picks. I also have a little bonus first-round leader pick which is a bet I've never given out because first round is such a crapshoot, but I really like uh, this first round leader pick. And then I got two outrights, two top tens, um, and then I got a top 20, bit of a long shot as well. Um, but let's get into kind of what this course is. It's Bay Hill. Um, it's an interesting course. Um, obviously, this is uh, kind of designed by Arnold Palmer. It got extended from a par 70 to a par 72. Uh, what was it? 20 years ago, I want to say 15 years ago. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but it's a par 72 now. Driving is important. Total driving, you need, you know, you need length off the tee. Uh, this is not a uh, an event where you want to bet on a shorter hitter. You definitely need length, but accuracy is going to be important too. So driving uh, of kind of like the three main aspects, uh, I guess four main aspects, uh, driving, approach, around the green, and putting. Um, driving is the most important, and then approach, and then putting. 
Uh, and then around the green, this is this is an event that like scrambling and around the green, it, it's fairly easy, um, which kind of leads into uh, uh, my first pick. But first, let, let's I'll give out my five key stats for the event as I always do. The first one: strokes gained tee to green. So this is just going to give us an overall view of how golfer is from the tee box to the green, how they've performed so far this season. Um, and with it being an important uh, event off the tee and approaching the green, you may as well combine the two into strokes gained off the tee. Uh, so that's the first key stat. And then total driving is the second key stat. Now, this is different from strokes gained off the tee. And if you're going to ask me to explain exactly how it's different, don't, because I still don't fully understand uh, the strokes gained category in anything. I don't, I mean, it's it, it's a calculation that I don't fully understand. Obviously, it just means how many strokes you've gained on the field, uh, that's kind of self-explanatory, but I don't understand the math behind it. But what total driving is, is you're just going to combine driving uh, distance with accuracy. And because both of them are important, I think that's better than strokes gained off the tee because there might be some some golfers who are shorter hitters um, but are good in strokes gained off the tee. I think total driving is going to uh, kind of combine distance a little bit more, a little bit more important and importance in distance when you're looking at total driving. So the off the tee stat this week, uh, total driving and then strokes gained approaching the green. Um, it really is. I mean, total driving, uh, driving is important, but it's, approaching the green is almost just as important. Um, especially because there are a lot of long approach shots. There's going to be very few wedge shots uh, into these greens and the greens are, can be difficult to hit. They are some of the more, they're on the smaller side of, of things as far as size of the greens. Um, and because they are, there are a ton of longer approach shots that leads me into my fourth key stat, which is approaches from 200 plus yards. Um, so thankfully, like I said, because this is an event that uh, we're a little bit more familiar with, we have history, we can key in on these little bit more specific statistics. Uh, and this is uh, one that is very relevant for uh, Bay Hill. Three of the four par threes are above 200 yards, so that's one thing right away. And there's just a lot of long approaches on the par fours. Um, I mean, it's a par 72 measuring 7,454 yards, so that tells you what you need to know. This is this is a longer course, a lot of long approaches on the par fours that might not reach 200 yards, um, but they're at least going to be close to 200 yards. There's a very few wedge opportunities unless you lay up on a par five, and you don't want to lay up on these par fives. Scoring on the par fives is absolutely key at this event, um, and to score on the par fives, the best thing to do is, is go for it in two. So that kind of uh, brings into that 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 stat of approaches from 200 plus yards as well. Because I mean, you're not going to be going for it in, in two on a par five and have uh, an approach shot less than 200 yards. So. Approaches from 200 plus yards, and then finally strokes gained putting. Obviously, we're going to look at that every single week. Uh, the only other thing I didn't bring up um, about Bay Hill is weather. Weather is, out of all the courses where weather can completely change how the difficulty of the event, Bay Hill's right up there near the top. We saw that last year uh, where it was, a, it was a bad weather weekend. Wind, it can get very, very windy there, and the winning score is Terrell Hatton at, at four under, and I think there's only like four or five golfers that were under par for the whole week, where if it's uh, not a windy weekend, whatever, the winning score can be like 20 under. So they do, how heavy the wind is can play a massive role in uh, the player's performance at Bay Hill. Um, now, I did look ahead to the weather forecast. It looks like Thursday and Friday are going to be relatively good scoring days. 
Uh, I think it's supposed to rain a little bit a couple days beforehand, so it should be a little bit soft. I don't think the wind's going to be too bad, but the wind's supposed to pick up on the weekend. Now, obviously, that can change between now and then, um, but that's kind of what the early forecast is. So I'm assuming a little bit easier scoring on on Thursday, Friday, and then it's going to get tougher heading into the weekend. Um, and then another thing you definitely want to look at, this is a course where guys um, who play well here seem to play well here every single year. So definitely look at past performance before you place your bet. Take a look to see how well uh, the, um, the golfer that you're thinking about betting on has performed here in past years. Um, and that's definitely a, a big part of what I'm looking at here heading into this week. Um, so that's kind of a, a quick breakdown there of Bay Hill. Off the tee, important, then approach. Um you can definitely bet on guys who aren't the best around the green. So if you're looking at their stats and they're strong in every category, but they're not strong in strokes gained around the green or, or maybe in scrambling, uh, that can be okay here because that portion is definitely the least important here at Bay Hill. Uh, so let's start off with my little fun pick here, my first round leader pick. Not a bet I've uh, ever placed before. Um, I should be because I seem to... My outright picks seem to do very well the first round and then kind of implode on the weekend. So uh, maybe this is a bet I should look at more. But the reason why I haven't done it, because I've had actually had a lot of people ask me my thoughts on first round leader picks in the past, is because, I mean, it's one round. It's 18 holes. It, it, 18 holes is a complete crapshoot. Any guy in the field could be leading after the first round. Um, that's why you see guys who are like are even the top of the odds list to win the event. You get much better odds on them to, bet, uh, to win the first round. Because the first round, I mean, it's 18 holes. If you're confident about a golfer, you should want as many rounds as possible because then if you think your handicapping is correct, then the more rounds that's that are played, the you know, the 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 cream will rise to the top, so to speak. Um but a few reasons why I like this pick and my first round leader bet um is gonna be Patrick Reed, plus three thousand. He he was one of my outright picks last week. Uh, he hit top ten. Um, but he's extremely hot lately. Two events ago, he won. Uh, what was it? The um, the American Express. He won whatever one it was at Torrey Pines. He won. Um, tied for ninth, I think it was that he finished last week. And his putting has been absolutely fantastic. Um, the amount of strokes he's gaining on the field with his putting is out of this world. And like I just said a couple minutes ago, it's projected to be soft conditions on Thursday and Friday, or in this case, what's what's important, Thursday. And in soft con, uh, conditions, is going to favor putters because your approach game uh, will uh, kind of, the field will be a lot more even in the approach game where you can, can kind of stick your um, approach shots on the green without having to worry about firm greens that are going to, you know, send it flying off the back. So um, softer conditions favor good putters. That's exactly what Patrick Reed is. He's probably the best putter on the PGA Tour right now. Um Putters are going to do well the first couple of days. It's supposed to get windy on the weekend, which is why I don't like Patrick Reed outright this week. I think he, if the weather kind of holds up with what the forecast is saying, I think he's going to have a strong first couple of days, kind of falter on the weekend. Um, but I think he's going to thrive in the soft conditions early in the week. And probably the main reason why I like this bet, he's first on the PJ Tour right now in first round scoring average. These are all stats you can look up on the PJ Tour website. They have a fantastic stats database, and you can look up uh, first-round scoring average, second-round scoring average, third-round scoring, fourth-round scoring average. He is first in the PJ Tour and first-round scoring average. So a lot of things I like there about Patrick Reed on Thursday. You can get him at plus 3,000 to be the first-round leader. Absolutely love that bet for a little fun bet on Thursday. But let's get into my picks to uh, win the event and to finish top 10 here. Uh, you may have guessed this one. I've kind of alluded to it, and uh, I think I kind of t- 
tweet in the boat earlier this week to kind of hint that uh, this is going to be my, my best bet. It's Trell Hatton again. Um, I say again because he won the tournament last year. So my first bet is for him to successfully defend his title here at the Arnold, Arnold Palmer Invitational. 16-1, to 1, I have him to win. Top 10, plus 150. Um, this course fits his style to perfection because of the reason that you don't need to be a good um, wedge player. You don't need to be good around the greens, and that's exactly what Terrell Hatton's weakness is. So a course where you don't need to be strong around the greens is a course where you can thrive because he's very good everywhere else. Um, you can even look at that last week la- uh, last week at um, uh, the concession. Um, he was uh, he did terrible. That's where he lost all of his strokes. He still finished like tied for 22nd or something like that, but he was absolutely terrible around the greens. Uh, he ranks 221st in strokes gained around the green on the PJ Tour this season, so it's definitely his weak point. But it's not important, not very important here at Bay Hill, and that's one of the reasons why he won last year. Um, so let's look at his uh, where he ranks in, the, in my five key stats. Strokes gained tee to green, 46th. Total driving, 36th. Strokes gained approaching the green, 11th. Approaches from 200 plus yards, 10th. And then strokes gained putting tied for 16th. Um, he had a very good um, he had a very good week putting last week. He he gained plus 2.34 strokes gained putting over, uh, against the field last week, which is great. He lost 1.47 strokes gained around the greens last week, which has killed him. But like I keep saying, not that important this week. Uh, he proved that last year he won. I think he has a great chance to defend his title. Uh, he's in great form. He's played well recently. He, he He's hot with his putter recently. Uh, so Terrell Hatton, 16-1, to 1, and then top 10 plus 150 is my first pick. My second pick... Matthew Fitzpatrick, and this might be a pick that might be a little bit popular this week, but I, I like his value here at 21. I got him 21 to 1 plus 2,100, and then top 10, 2 to 1. So, a lot of things that you got to like about Matthew Fitzpatrick. I just realized that my two outright picks are two Englishmen, so let's see how that works out. Um, he's played, he's hot. Matthew Fitzpatrick has played very well recently. He's played very well here at this event in the past. He has good numbers for the course and a pretty good price at 21 to 1. So he really is the complete package for this tournament. If you're looking for a little bit of a value pick and you want to stay away from the guys who are in the top five on the odds list. Uh, so let's start with his recent form. T17, T5, and T11 in his last three starts. And this would be the weakest field that he's playing in compared to those four events. Um, one was the European Tour event, um, and then the Genesis, and then the Concession. All three of those events had stronger fields than what he's going to be competing against this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then let's take a look at how he's performed at Bay Hill in the past. Ninth in 2020, second in 2019. He missed the cut in 2018, but then 13th in 2017 and 27th in 2016. So top two in two years straight, including a second place finish in 2019, and then 27th or better in four of his last five years here at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So he plays very well here at Bay Hill. And then let's look at his stats. 20th in strokes gained tee to green. Um, tied for 135th in total driving, so that is a, a bit of a weak point, to be fair. So I, I hope that he kind of picks it up with his driver this week. 27th in strokes gained approach, 137th in approaches from over 200 yards, so about average in that c- category as well. And then 86th in strokes gained putting. Uh, but he has improved in the stat in each of the last three weeks as well, so he's slowly getting better with his putter, and he's just been in good form recently over the past few weeks so I think it's a great value bet on him at 21 to 1 uh, and then for him to finish in the top 10 as well at plus 200 Uh, and then I got a top 20 bet 
Um, this is a guy who's dominated this course over the recent years. He's played decent lately, but I don't trust his numbers enough to bet on him to win outright or even top 10. His driving numbers have really been concerning lately, but that's Mark Leishman. I'm going to take him top 20 plus 160. Uh, but you absolutely have to love his results here the past five years. He loves Bay Hill. So over the last five years, he has finished 2nd, 23rd, 7th, 1st, and 17th. So 23rd or better in five straight years, including a win into 2nd place. So uh, it's going to be hard to find a guy who has played as well as he has here outside of Rory McIlroy. Side note, Rory McIlroy has completely dominated Bay Hill. He won it two years ago, I believe it was. Um, but I'm not going to bet on the favor in a golf tournament, especially because he's been kind of subpar by Rory standards lately. But if you Mark Leishman's probably second as far as playing well here the past few years, Rory would be first. Um, if you're looking for a DraftKings lineup, if you want to pay the price on Rory, probably not a bad idea. Uh, but the reason why I don't like Mark Leishman to win, his driving has been terrible this year. He's tied for 188th in total driving this season. Last week, he lost 3.1 strokes on the field off the tee. Um, which is just terrible, and you can't win at Bay Hill being that bad off the tee. So I don't trust him that much to win. If you want to take a shot at him, I wouldn't blame you because he has decent odds, um, but I'm just going to take him to finish in the top 20 at plus 160. Uh, so there you have it. That is my uh, breakdown there for the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. I love this tournament. Um Big stretch here of tournaments that I really enjoyed a while. I can't wait for the Players' Championship next uh, next week. If you, if you don't remember, the Players' Championship was the um, tournament that was going on uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, like, next weekend is like the is like the one-year anniversary of everything just going to shit. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, I think, tied the course record um, at the Players', uh, players Championship, and then um, they called the event, and uh, it was canceled after that. Uh, and I think conference tournaments, uh, I think the Power 5 conference tournaments were just about to start, and some of the mid-major conference tournaments had already started. So yeah, we are like one week away from the one-year anniversary of everything going to shit. So I can't believe it's been one year. It's insane. Uh, but let's move on to, uh, we're going to go to the UFC next, and then we're going to finish with college basketball as well as an NHL pick. So let's move on to UFC, UFC 259. Um, I'm very honest about my UFC betting. Um... I'm terrible. I might be the worst UFC better on planet Earth, uh, the worst UFC better in the sports betting industry. I, I, I would recommend you fade my picks before you tail my picks. I'm honest. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. Now, have I been good in college basketball this year? Absolutely not. But I still think the way I handicap college basketball is good. I think it's just been a weird year, a bad year. Um, so even though I have been bad in college basketball, I don't think I'm necessarily bad at betting college basketball. UFC, though, I think I'm just bad at betting UFC. <laughs> like, I'm, I'll be honest. I just think I'm bad at it. <laughs> uh, so I, I will give you my picks. I, I did handicap them like I always do. Um, if you want to tail me, if, if you like the picks, go ahead and do it. Um, but I would recommend fading me before you tail me when it comes to the UFC. But uh, I still enjoy doing it. One of the most fun sports to bet on. Still, one of, I think I think it's the most difficult sport to handicap, though. Um, I've talked about it in the past, but it's just you never know what kind of shape these guys are going in. You don't know what their game plan is for for the fight. I mean, it's like six months in between fights. You have no idea what they've been doing the past six months. 
Um, the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, if I knew that Conor McGregor was going in there without training leg kicks whatsoever, because he wanted to use it as a boxing warm up for Manny Pacquiao. And then Dustin Poirier's game plan was to kick Conor McGregor's legs over from underneath him. I would have bet on Dustin Poirier in a heartbeat. Um, but we don't know game plans. Fighters uh, obviously don't reveal those things. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, let's get into my picks for UFC 259. Let's start. Yeah, we'll start with the main event and work our way backwards. So Israel Adesanya minus 230 against Jan Blachowicz plus 184. So if you don't know, Israel Adesanya is currently the middleweight champion. He's going up to light heavyweight to fight for the title here. He can be the fifth fighter in UFC history to be champion in two different divisions simultaneously. Uh, I think that's right. Fifth fighter. What, what have we got? McGregor was, Cormier was, Amanda Nunes was. Who am I missing? Who's the f- fourth? Oh, Henry Cejudo. So, yeah, he'd be the fifth to hold uh, two uh, belts at the same time. He'd be the eighth person to just win a title in two different divisions. Uh, going up against Jan Blokowicz, who is the current light heavyweight champion, just won the vacant belt against uh, Dominic Reyes in September of last year. Adesanya entering the fight 20-0. 15 of those 20 wins coming from TKO slash KO. Um, he's never been the underdog in his UFC career. The shortest his odds were, were minus 140 when he took on Robert Whittaker for the middleweight championship. Uh, Jan Blokowicz, this is a very interesting stat about Jan Blokowicz that, that I found when, when kind of looking into this fight. He has been set as the underdog in eight of his last nine fights, and he holds a record of 7-1 and one in those bouts. So sportsbooks continuously set him as the underdog. Eight of his last nine fights, he was the underdog, and he's 7-1 and one in those fights. If you've been betting on Jan Blokowicz over the past three or four years, you have been making bank. Um, and in saying that, I'm taking Blokowicz in this fight. I'm going against Adesanya. I hate it. I really, really hate it. I was actually talking to Scott Hastings. Credit to Scott Hastings. He's the guy I trust the most with the UFC bets. He's obviously the UFC expert, the combat sports expert with uh, Odd Shark. He, he's very good at both UFC and boxing. And he's taken Blockowicz too. And I would I thought Adesanya was the obvious bet after talking to him. He convinced me. Um, first of all, and this is a, this is a factor that, that Scott actually doesn't believe in, but I think size is going to play a difference in this fight. I think Adesanya even said this week that he's going to be under 200 heading into the cage on Saturday night. And I, I don't think that should be overlooked. Uh, Jan Blockowicz is, is a heavy, heavy, big guy. Um, Adesanya's been, been hit in his career, got hit against Gastelum, he got hit against Whitaker. Um, Blokowicz has power, man. What is he, the Polish power? Is that what he calls it, Polish power? Um, if he, man, if he hits Adesanya one of these times, that, that could be it. I don't think Adesanya's faced a guy with the power that Blokowicz has before in his career, and Adesanya, especially with his kind of, uh, karate, kind of, um, um, Taekwondo kind of fancy style. He leaves himself open to kicks, and Blockwich loves throwing kicks. That's the point that Scott uh, brought up. If Blockwich can hit that leg um, and hit him with a few kicks, that's going to slow down Adesanya and kind of take away his speed advantage that he does have. Um, I think Blockwich is a live dog here. I really do. Um, I mean, it's it, you look at Adesanya being twenty and zero. It's hard to bet against a guy who's twenty and zero. And then a guy like Blockwich who has a handful of losses on his record. But he definitely had a rocky start to his UFC career, but he's looked very, very good in his last few fights. Um, 
He's TKO'd, KO'd the hand, last handful of opponents that he's fought. Corey Anderson, he knocked out cold. Dominic Reyes, he put away easily with his fists. Man, I think with his power and his kicks, I think he's a live dog in this fight. I think going up in weight class when Adesanya's not really that big of a fighter, um, I I think this is I think Blockovich is a live dog. So I'm gonna take him. I got him at. Um, I actually don't have his odds written down here. Um, sorry, uh, plus 190 is what I got him at at Bovada. Um, Bodog, if you're in Canada, uh, I think he's a live dog. Uh, so I'm taking block, which in the main event, co-main event, women's featherweight bout, Amanda Nunes is a minus 1200 favorite against Megan Anderson. I mean, I, I really don't have much to say about this. Amanda Nunes is by far the GOAT. Uh, as far as women's uh, weight class go, you could easily make the argument that she's the greatest of all time in, in male and female mixed martial artists combined. I think that might be a little bit of a, of, of a stretch. Just the women's divisions are still about 10 years behind in development from from the men's division, so they're just not deep enough. I mean, you look at the women's featherweight um, division, which is this, the, this is the title for, uh, UFC doesn't even have official rankings for that weight class because there aren't enough fighters. <laughs> it's literally like they just have her listed as the champion and then just no one ranked below her. So, um, But, I mean, it's impressive. I think she's the only one who has successfully defended both of her titles at the same time. She's defended her Bantamweight Championship five times. This would be her second successful defense of the featherweight strap. Don't waste your money betting on Megan Anderson. She won't win. Um, Bovada doesn't have odds up for method of victory yet, but I saw at another book Amanda Nunes to win by TKO KO minus 110. If you can find those odds, you got to take that five-round fight. you got to think she can finish this fight with strikes. Uh, so that's going to be my pick. Amanda Nunes, TKO, KO, minus 110. 13 of her 20 professional wins have come by stoppage via strikes. It seems like an absolute no-brainer. If you're going to bet on the fight, I mean, you're not laying minus 1,600 juice, minus 1,200 juice, whatever it is. Uh, bet on her to win by TKO. Um, you might not get minus 110, probably going to be closer to minus 150, but that's that's the only bet to make in this fight. I don't see any other bet that you can make. Um, so that's my take on the co-main event. And then the most interesting one, uh, the third title fight on the card, um, the Bantamweight Championship, Petra Yon, Peter Yon, Petra Yon against Aljamain Sterling. I tweeted this earlier today. I'm shocked that this is a pick If you would have asked me what the odds were in this fight before looking at it, I would have said, Petra Yon at like minus 210. Uh, very surprised to see this. I mean, this guy is, I think, one of the best fighters uh, pound for pound in the UFC right now. He's destroyed everyone that he's faced. I mean, he's been he's been a massive favorite in almost every single fight. Uh, I think the next closest, his next shortest his odds were minus 240 when he fought Jose Aldo, and he put on just an absolute masterclass performance against Jose Aldo. And Aljamain Sterling has shown weaknesses, especially in his striking. Um, I think Aljamain Sterling's obvious, in my opinion, biggest strength is his grappling game, is his submission game. I had a few guys tweet at me today that he's going to submit um, Petrion, um, which if he get if he takes Yon to the ground, he might. But good luck, Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Sterling's takedown accuracy is just twenty nine percent, while Petrion has a takedown defense of eighty eight percent. So I can't see Sterling being successful in taking down Petrion. I hope I'm pronouncing his first name right. I mean, will I just do the English fucking white man thing and just call him Peter? I think it's Petra. Um, yeah, so I like Aljamain Sterling's path to victory is to take him down and submit him, but I mean, 29% takedown accuracy. Yawn's takedown defense is 88%. 
Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. And then you just got to look at, I mean, it's it's Jan's striking output. And not only his power, but his output. He lands 6.32 significant strikes per minute. That's just an unrelenting pace. It was too fast of a pace for Jose Aldo to, to handle. That's kind of um, how we ended up winning the fight. Just Jose Aldo could not handle that kind of pressure. Aldo's a lot better when he can kind of stand and trade strikes and counter punch. He couldn't do it to Petrion. I think Aljamain Sterling is similar in that fashion. I don't think he deals well with guys who can put on the kind of pressure. So this is easily my best bet of the card. I think these odds are an absolute gift. I'll take Petrion as a pick of minus 110, and I won't even think twice about it. Uh, a couple prelim fights I'm going to be on. Uh, I'm going to fade two of the old guys. I'm going to take Askar Askarov minus 140 against Joe Benavidez and Casey Kennedy minus 140 against Dominic Cruz. Uh, two old guys, their times are done. That's all i got to say about those guys. Um, I would like Askarov over Joe, uh, Joe Benavidez done. He's got to retire. Dominic Cruz, it, it's been a while since we've seen him fight. I could see him winning that fight, but I still like Casey Kenny at minus 140 in that one as well. So those are my two prelim picks. Uh, so to recap here, uh, taking Leon Blockwich to upset uh, um, Israel Adesanya plus 190 in the main event. Um, Amanda Nunes minus 110. It might be. I, I'll tweet out what my official pick is going to be because I use Bovada and they don't have method of victory up yet. It's probably. I saw it minus 110 somewhere else. It's probably going to be closer to minus 150 by the time uh, I lock in the bet. Um, and then Petrion at. Um, Minus 110 over Aljamain Sterling. Askar Askarov minus 140 against Joe Benavidez. And then Casey Kennedy minus 140 against Dominic Cruz. If you want to, um, and I wouldn't blame you if you do, go ahead and take the opposite of all of those. Um, so go ahead and lock in Dominic Cruz, Joseph Benavidez, uh, Aljamain Sterling. Um, don't bet on Megan Anderson, but maybe Amanda Nunes by submission or by decision might be the smarter bet there. And then uh, Adesanya in the main event. <laughs> I'm honest. If I'm nothing else, I'm honest. I stink at UFC. I just, I can't, I can't be good at it. I can't, I can't, I can't grasp it. Uh, so there you go. Let's finish off with college basketball here. Uh, the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament is going to be the kind of, uh, the main discussion here. And then I will give out my best bet for Wednesday. And then I also have an NHL pick. But first, let's talk about the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament. This starts March the 10th. Um, it's just the lower seeds are playing on March the 10th uh, and then kind of the better teams will, will play on March 11th. I think, what is it like Fordham and LaSalle, I think is the first game uh, on the docket for March 10th. I got nothing for that. Uh, St. Joseph's and LaSalle and then Fordham and, and George Washington got nothing for those games. Best of luck. If you want to bet on them, I'll stay away. They're just fucking shitty teams. Um, gut feeling. And this is no handicap. I would go, I would go LaSalle as a, as an underdog against St. Joseph's and I would go George Washington to cover the seven point spread against Fordham. Um, but I did not look into the, st the st statistics. That's just off my memory of how good they are from looking at their games in the past. Um, but uh, Atlantic 10 tournament as a whole, uh, very interesting odds. Um, by the way, I think the Atlantic 10, whatever teams come from that uh, from that conference into the March Madness tournament, I think they might make a little bit of noise. I think people might be underrating them because they've just cannibalized themselves all um, all season. Um, I don't think that the conference is as strong as it was last year. I think the A-10 was like right up there with, with the Power 5 conferences last year. Uh, I wish we could have seen them in the tournament, but obviously we didn't, especially that Dayton team. Um, so I don't think they were as strong, but I think we could see uh, see a couple of them make some noise in the con in the March Madness. Them along with the Mountain West are the two best mid-majors, in my opinion, uh, this year. Um, 
So yeah, let's take a look at the odds. VCU is the favorite, plus 225, followed by St. Louis, plus 260, St. Bonaventure, plus 333, Richmond, plus 400, Davidson, plus 800, Dayton, plus 1,000. Um, and then I didn't even write down the other ones. Rhode Island, uh, UMass are behind them. I think they're, I, I don't even know what their odds are. Um, not even worth discussing in my opinion. I'm just going to focus on the top six teams on the odds list here. I think they're the only teams with a realistic chance of winning this conference tournament. Um maybe Rhode Island if there's going to be a team below that, but I still don't think so. So I'm just focusing on, on the top 16s, and I'm, I'm trying something a little bit different here uh, for this conference tournament. I'm going to see how it goes with this one, and then I might um, might use this strategy for the Power 5 conference tournaments next week. We'll see how this goes, but I've, I've concocted a little method here. I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. So what I've done is I've taken these um, six stats, which I think are the six most important stats to look at. And then I've looked at how each of these six teams um, rank in those stats compared to the other teams. And then I'm giving them a certain amount of points for each stat for how they rank. So if a team ranks first in a category, they get six points. If they rank second in a category, they get five points. If they rank third, they get four points. Obviously down to if they rank last out of the six teams in the category, uh, they just get one point. And then I add up all the points. And then uh, I kind of come up with a, with, a, with a power rankings. I've called it the IMAC power rankings. Um, I mean, Ken Palm is just a guy named Ken Palm, isn't it? And he just made up rankings based on whatever algorithm. Well, this is my algorithm. This is the official Bacon Bets podcast, IMAC power rankings. Um, so the six statistics that I have deemed the most important, in my opinion, are floor percentage, opponent floor percentage, rebounding percentage, effective possession ratio, opponent effective possession ratio, and then effective field goal percentage. So floor percentage, opponent floor percentage, rebounding, effective possession ratio, opponent effective possession ratio, and effective field goal percentage. Um, just to recap for anyone who um, is kind of new to the podcast and doesn't know what these stats mean, floor percentage is the possession, or sorry, the percentage of a team's possessions that result in at least one point being scored. Obviously, opponent floor percentage is the uh, percentage of your opponent's possession possessions that result in at least one point being scored. Rebounding, self-explanatory. Um, effective possession ratio is... Uh, if I can get this right, possessions minus turnovers plus offensive reboundings divided by possessions. Let me actually just look that up really quick here. I should have done this beforehand. Sorry, effective possession ratio definition. Um, yes, possessions plus offensive rebounds minus turnovers divided by possessions. So it, it takes into account turnovers and offensive rebounds, basically how effective each possession that you have is, and then of course, opponent effective possession ratio, and then effective field goal percentage um, basically is an algorithm that uh, takes into consideration and it weights three point shots a certain way as opposed to two point shots. It kind of gives a, an overall average um, of how a team's field goal percentage is. Because if you just look at field goal percentage, then teams who um, shoot three point shots more often than two point shots are going to naturally have a lower field goal percentage. So this takes into account the fact that three point shots are obviously worth more points. Um, so yeah, those are the six stats I looked at. I ranked, I went through and found out which uh, ranking each team is from first to sixth out of the six teams, those six teams being VCU, St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, Richmond, Davidson, and Dayton. And then depending on how they rank out of those six teams, I assign them a certain amount of points and then I came up with my iMac Power Rankings, the Bacon Bets Podcast Power Rankings. And this is where the six teams rank. 
first of all, before I get before I get into that, Dayton put them out of the equation. I probably shouldn't have even put them in the top six. Maybe I should have just focused on the top five teams because Dayton's way last, and maybe I should have even um, uh, replaced them with Rhode Island, maybe. So just Dayton stinks. VCU does not deserve to be uh, the favorite in this tournament whatsoever, in my opinion. Um, so IMAX power rankings in the Atlantic 10. St. Louis takes the lead. They get 32 points. Davidson is behind them, interesting enough, at 23 points. And then St. Bonaventure, 22 points. Then VCU at 18. They're actually tied with Richmond with 18 points in the Ian McMillan's power rankings. And then Dayton last in 13 points. So let's kind of get into why. So St. Louis heading above the rest. So that's actually why I'm going to try to back this strategy. I'm going to bet on St. Louis to win at the Atlantic 10 conference tournament at plus 260. That's my pick. St. Louis, go Billikens. And if they do it, if they pull it off, I will make this announcement right now in the Bacon Bets podcast. If St. Louis wins the Atlantic 10 Conference, that will be the jersey I will buy. That will be my mid-major 2021 jersey I will buy. Um, I've won a couple bets on St. Louis. as a sweat fest the other week against Richmond. St. Louis's free throw percentage does concern me when it comes down to close games. They same same. They're not as bad as they were last year in free throw percentage, but man, uh, them with a slight lead late in games is is never fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so St. Louis, out of these six teams, they have the best floor percentage, they have the best rebounding percentage, they have the best effective possession ratio, and they have the best opponent effective possession ratio. So in my opinion, as an overall team, they're the best team in the Atlantic Ten. If you look at the statistics, now things do get a little bit tricky because then you got to look at matchups uh, throughout the tournament, and obviously different stylistic matchups are going to have slight advantages. But overall, I just think as a, as a most complete team, according to the IMAC power rankings, St. Louis Billikens are first, and it's not even close. They have 32 points. Davidson's behind them at 23. So if you want to take a little bit of a long shot, Davidson's eight to one. Might not be a terrible bet. Davidson at eight to one. Um, and then you got St. Bonaventure 22. Now where St. Bonaventure does have a little bit of issues. Um, they're actually first in opponent floor percentage. Uh, but where the Bonnies kind of run into trouble here is, uh, effective field goal percentage. They're actually dead last. Um, and fifth last in opponent effective possession ratio. They aren't good at taking the ball away. They're pretty low in opponent, uh, opponent turnovers. Um, because when I first looked at the odds, it kind of like the Bonnies at plus 333, but uh, I think there's more value on the Billikens at plus 260. Um, Dayton is either last or second last in every single st- statistic, except for, funny enough, they're actually first in effective field goal percentage. Um, but they're so bad at everything else, they're not worth a bet. Richmond's completely overrated, in my opinion. Richmond can't rebound to save their life. Dead last in, re- in rebounding uh, out of this group here, 199th, or sorry, uh, 320th in the country in rebounding rate. You're not going to win a conference tournament um, with that bad of rebounding. 199th in opponent floor percentage, so they're bad on defense as well. Uh, Richmond's a bad bet, in my opinion, at 4-1. to one. And then VCU. I mean, VCU's the favorite, but they're fifth out of, the, out of these six teams. Obviously not fifth in the country. And when I'm saying the ranking here, it's just out of these six teams. Uh, fifth in floor percentage. Uh, third in opponent floor percentage, fourth in rebounding, fifth in effective possession ratio, second opponent effective possession ratio, and fifth in effective field goal percentage. So I think VCU is overrated here. Um, so I think if you're going to make a bet, either St. Louis, which is going to be my pick, or take a shot on Davidson at 8-1. to one. So yeah, that's my quick little uh, Atlantic 10 breakdown. Now this ranking system might absolutely suck and it might blow up in my face, but um, 
let's try it. I kind of I kind of like the idea behind it. Um, interested to hear what you guys think. Send me an email, uh, baconbetspodcast at gmail.com or a DM on Twitter with your thoughts behind it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, St. Louis, the Billikens, my official pick to win the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament. Now, finally, uh, this podcast is getting long, so let's get into my two best bets for Wednesday, March the 3rd here. My first best bet, um, I hope you guys listen to this earlier in the day because this uh, game tips off at 5 p.m. Eastern at Syracuse and Clemson. I'm taking Syracuse minus 2.5. Uh, so very similar defenses here, but Syracuse is actually much better offensively, so I like them laying the 2.5 points. Syracuse, 104th in floor percentage, 172nd in effective field goal percentage. Clemson, 272nd in floor percentage, 195th in effective possession ratio. Or sorry, effective field goal uh, percentage. Um, also, Clemson's already bad offense gets even worse significantly on the road. Their floor percentage drops all the way to 41.9% on the road, which is terrible. That's a bad, bad, bad floor percentage. Um, so, I mean, they, they smoked Syracuse when Clemson was at home earlier in the season. Some anomalies in that game. I think that was actually Clemson's best shooting game um, of the entire season. Um, on the road, they're, they're, they're much worse. They're, a bad offense gets worse when they're on the road. Uh, Syracuse also 44th in turnovers per possession, Clemson 216th, um, and then Clemson 42nd three-point shot rate, so they are a three-point shooting team, but Syracuse 56th in opponent three-point field goals, field goal percentage, so they have very good perimeter defense, including at home, 20 uh, teams only shoot 28.6% against them from beyond the arc at home, so uh, a good advantage there for Syracuse. Uh, 50th in effective possession ratio, Clemson's 203rd, so a lot of stuff to like in this game for, for Syracuse. I will take Syracuse laying the 2.5 points at home. Also, that's a little added cherry on top, and I noticed this after I locked in the bet. Uh, also, senior, this is senior night for Syracuse, so I know some of you like to bet um, on teams when they're playing their senior night. You put some value behind that. I don't, but I don't necessarily blame you if you if you do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Syracuse's senior night as well, so take that for what it's worth. That's my best college basketball bet for Wednesday. And then a little NHL bet here, eh? Let's finish off with a little NHL pick. I'm going to take the Vegas Golden Knights minus 140 against the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota. Uh, I think there's a lot of value on the Golden Knights in this spot. Eighth in 5-on-5 Corsi percentage. The Wild are 27th. Um, now, where you don't want to bet on the Wild is when the Wild play at home. The Wild are the best home team, actually, in the NHL right now. They're... they're um, uh, five on five, high danger scoring chance percentage. Uh, they're first in the NHL when they're playing at home on the road, the round middle of the pack. So if this game was flipped and it was in Minnesota, I wouldn't like it, but it's in Vegas. So I like this bet quite a bit. Vegas eighth in high, five on five, high danger scoring percentage at home. A uh, lot to like about Vegas here. Uh, there's some underlying statistics that show the wild aren't quite as good as the record. So I will lay the minus 140 with the Vegas Golden Knights tonight against the Minnesota Wild. So there you guys have it. Uh, that was a lot of stuff that I went through in that po- podcast. Um, I'm absolutely pumped that it's March. This is going to be a fun month. I can't wait to get to March Madness. Can't wait to watch some of these conference tournaments, starting with the Atlantic 10, one of my favorite conferences to watch. Um, as always, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Rate it if you have just two seconds. Rating it helps us in the rankings. Uh, leave a review, which helps us even more um, in the rankings. Um, I switched over our category. This is no longer a football podcast. Now the category is under a golf podcast. <laughs> I don't talk about football anymore. I talk about golf uh, every single week, and uh, maybe I should have switched it to a basketball podcast, but 
I guess in the in the their iTunes and, and Spotify don't have a category for sports betting yet. So I have to kind of choose whatever sport I talk about the most. Um, but yeah, rate it, review it, send me a message if you want me to if, answer any questions on the podcast, baconbetspodcast at gmail.com. There's always a donation link in the description if you feel like uh, supporting the show. Shout out to everyone who has so far. Uh, we are slowly growing. I appreciate you all for listening. I love you all. Best of luck with your bets the rest of the week. And I will see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.